Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the snooze button. We're just going to jump right into it. Yet again, I have picked a time and location to record that is not optimal. You're going to hear people in the background probably, sounds, yells. It is what it is. Consider this a real life podcast. You know, I'm not fancy yet. I don't have a studio in Burbank where I'm recording this. You know, one day, maybe you need to get more of your friends to subscribe to this and then I'll be in my studio in Burbank. Until then, we're going to talk about bedtime routines. So I wanted to talk about bedtime routines because this is one of the most common questions that comes up week after week on my sleep Q&A on my Instagram. It's definitely something that comes up when I'm working with clients. Um, And I want to talk about bedtime routines across the spectrum of ages. So I'm going to talk a little bit about newborns, a little bit about babies, and a little bit about toddlers and big kids. The one thing I will say that applies across the board when you're looking at a bedtime routine, as I like to say, everyone should be able to do everything. So whether you are listening to this with a newborn or a five-year-old, it doesn't matter. Every main caretaker for your child needs to be able to put them to bed, okay? Because you're going to have mom's night out. You're going to have dad works late tonight. You're going to have grandma, who usually does the bedtime routine, went back home to Boca, whatever. You need to be able to get a babysitter. If you're parenting with another parent, you both need to be able to leave the house, right? All of those things. So make sure, no matter what stage you're in, that both parents are doing it. And yeah, there are going to be times where your kids have a preference for one parent over another, of course. But in general, part of it and getting good at doing a bedtime routine with your kids is just putting in the reps, right? So if mom always does it, it is going to be harder for dad because he doesn't have the reps in. He's never done it before. So make sure to some degree you are alternating who does everything. And that is applicable to every age. So let's talk for a second first about newborns because a lot of newborn parents are like really stressed about implementing a bedtime routine. So here's what I will say. You don't really need one. Okay, your two-week-old doesn't need a bedtime routine. Your two-week-old is eating around the clock, right? I would not worry about a bedtime routine in any real capacity until your baby is at a place where they are sleeping through the night or you are trying to get them to sleep through the night. And by that, I mean 10 to 12 hours, right? Sleeping through the night does not mean they're waking up Um, you know, at three times a night and you are putting them to bed at midnight. Once you're at a place, whatever age they are, where you were like, this is the stage we're at. We want to be sleeping through the night. We're going to start implementing this. We're implementing like a real bedtime. You know, they are going to bed at seven. They are going to bed at eight, whatever it is for your family. That's when you start the bedtime routine. Now, before that, are there certain logistical things you do when you put them to sleep? Absolutely. Your three-week-old should, when they go to bed, and this is true for naps as well, right? You should be swaddling them. They should have their white noise on. You should close the curtains, things like that. But you're doing really more the logistical things. A two-week-old does not need a bath, a baby massage, three books, and a song to go to bed. You know what? You're going to have to do that for so many years. Take that stress out of your life. (laughs) Please don't worry about that. You do not need to do it. Um, And that kind of leads me into the baby conversation. So babies, yes, we do want to have some semblance of a bedtime routine. Here is what I will say. There is not a magic thing that you need to do in order for your baby to sleep well in the bedtime routine. So one thing that I will often hear from parents, this is my favorite example, is like, 
I, you know, my baby has eczema or we have three other kids or whatever it is, it's really hard for us to do a bath every night, but I'm afraid that's why they're not sleeping. Oh my God, yet again, let me take that burden off of you. It doesn't matter if your baby has a bath at their bedtime routine. I know that this is being told to people. I don't know why. It does not matter. I don't care if it raises their body temperature, if it lowers their body temperature, if it feels cooling to them or warming to them. Your baby isn't waking up four times a night because you didn't give them the right bath. Like, I think we really need to get that out of our heads. Um, It's just not fair to send parents that message. So whatever you do for your bedtime routine is up to you. I have never given my kids a bath every night, ever. And most of my clients don't either. If anything, it kind of dries out their skin. Um, you don't need to do it. If for you, a bedtime routine is a song and a prayer, if it is reading one little board book, if it is walking around the room and saying night night to things in their room, if it's getting kisses from dada, kisses from mama, if it is tickling their toes and giving them a baby massage, I don't really care what you do. Do something, do something nice, something short and sweet. Um, but there isn't some magic bullet that every family needs to do for their baby in order for them to sleep well at night. That is not a concern I want you to have. Um, When I'm working with clients and when clients are taking my course, we do go through, of course, different aspects of the bedtime routine that are the most common, how we're putting them down, spoiler, put them down awake, how you're intervening when they cry. There are so many things you can do to impact your baby's success in sleeping well at night, but I really don't want you to have it in your head that there's some specific thing you need to do in the moments leading up in the sense of a routine that is going to make or break their ability to sleep well because it's just not the case. So think through something you can do that's calm and relaxing. There should be consistency to it, right? Um, Maybe you have a song you sing. So for each of my three kids, we have a specific song. We always sing. It's the last thing I do before I lay them down in bed. And that's true for my five-year-old. It's true for my three-year-old. Almost, he'll be three on Sunday. My almost three-year-old. And it's true for my baby, who is nine months. So all of them have one same song that I always sing to them. That's the last thing that happens before I lay them down and I give them a big kiss. It doesn't have to be that for you. It should just be calm and relaxing. I mean, don't, you know, this isn't the time for like enter Sandman, right? We're not playing Metallica before bed, okay? We're not blaring the TV. We're not using screens, things like that. But the specific things that you do are totally up to you. And beyond that, again, you're making sure that the environment is right. So you are putting them in their sleep sack. If they're still in a crib, you are turning off the lights, right? You are putting on the white noise, that type of thing. Beyond that, I want you to relax and not overthink the bedtime routine too much. For babies as well, Some of them, they've had a long day, they're tired, you fed them, now you're changing them, maybe you're doing whatever your few things are for the bedtime routine, um, and they're just not having it. They just want to be put to bed. That is fine. You do not need to force a long bedtime routine. If your baby just wants to go to bed, let them go to bed. You don't have to read them the book. That's fine. It's it's really, really fine. Um, If you notice that happening, then maybe your bedtime routine is a little bit shorter and you just sing the chorus of one quick song or you give them a bunch of kisses and that's it. Awesome. Go for it. So that leads me into bedtime routine tips for our toddlers and big kids. So a couple of things I want you to be thinking about with toddler and big kid bedtime routines. Shorter is better. Cap it at about 15 minutes. If you were sitting there thinking, um, our bedtime routine is like three hours. Yeah, I know that sucks for you. And frankly, it's not great for your child either. I mean, 
they want to go to bed too. They might not think they want to go to bed, but they do. And I do think as parents, it makes sense logically. You're thinking like, okay, my kid is struggling to go to sleep. They don't like me to leave the room. Bedtime is stressful for us. So I'm just going to like make it like really nice and long and relaxing. We're going to do like tons of different steps to kind of like ease them into me leaving the room. Logically, that does make sense. But what ends up happening is it becomes a little bit anxiety provoking for kids. It's like this drawn out, never ending process that changes each time as they try to negotiate and, you know, add new things to the routine. You're getting frustrated some nights. Other nights you have more of a capacity to to let them do what they want. So it's different every day. It's long. It's not great. So I really would be having in your mind, you're capping this at 15 minutes. And that's excluding a bath. So if your toddler or a kid does take a bath every night or whatever night they take it, that would be separate. But the 15 minutes is including putting on our PJs. It is including brushing our teeth. It's including reading books, whatever the things are that your family does. So what is a really common issue that comes up with bedtime with kids? It is the stall tactics. I need water. I'm hungry. My toe itches. I have to go kiss the baby goodnight. Every parent knows what their stall tactics are. Usually they're quite convincing. So I want you to think through before you even begin the bedtime routine. What are the things that your kids usually give you a hard time about? And you're going to build them in before. Because I think oftentimes why stall tactics are so successful for kids and frustrating for parents is because they're things that you think they might actually really need, right? You're like, I mean, maybe they do like need more to eat. You know, he really didn't eat much. He had like three bites of pizza. Maybe he really is hungry. I can't like let him starve all night. Or like, you know what? I don't know how much water she had at daycare. Like maybe I need to actually give her some milk or whatever. So if you have told your child 30 minutes before bedtime, the kitchen is closing. This is your last chance to have a banana if anybody is still hungry. You know, if your family lets your kids have food after dinner. Or maybe you've left the dinner out and you're like, if anybody still wants some of their dinner, this is your last chance, right? You're setting that boundary. You can feel really confident that 30 minutes later when you're actually trying to put them to bed, the child who didn't want any food 30 minutes ago is not suddenly starving, right? So thinking through what are the things that my child usually gives me a hard time about and giving them a chance to meet those needs if they really have them so that you can feel really confident later on when they're asking for them that they're absolutely fine. So we're building in those stall tactics before the bedtime routine even starts. Beyond that, I would think through as the parent what you want this bedtime routine to look like and then you are going to keep it the same every single night. And again, just like with babies, there isn't some like magic recipe for bedtime routines. Every family is unique and has the things that they like to do. You also have a unique setup where maybe you have multiple kids or certain days there's one parent doing it, certain days there's a nanny doing it, whatever. You know what your stuff is. But think through within that 15-minute framework, knowing that it's encapsulating all of the hygienic, logistical things about getting ready for bed outside of a bath and all of the nice, warm, cozy things, fun things that you do as a family. What is that going to look like? Is it we go brush our teeth, we pick out PJs, we choose two books, and then we give mommy a kiss. Whatever. I just made that one up. So big things here. You are setting the framework. That is what it is, and it never changes. It is always this. It is not negotiating. It is not cajoling. It is not threatening. If it's two books, it's two books. Every single night, you you set that structure. Within that structure, though, 
offer your child some autonomy. Kids like to be in control, right? This isn't a dictatorship. So what's something you can give them to control? Can they pick what jammies they wear? Maybe you have two different toothbrushes in the bathroom. They can pick the blue one or the red one to use. Or books, that's a super easy one. You get to pick which two books. Or maybe for your family, it's four books. I don't care. You decide. But they get to pick the four books. You give them some autonomy. But beyond that, the structure never changes, right? You have you have said it's two books. So it's never they're not asking you for three, four, five, six, because it's always two. And they understand that. Really, really important. I think one thing that we overlook sometimes as adults is that things being black and white for kids makes such a big difference. And if you tell them and show them that every night the bedtime routine is gonna be X, Y, and Z it's so much easier for them to just do it because they're they're not coming into every night wondering how long they can drag out the process and what they can get out of you because you've made it very clear what it's going to look like. Think about how kids oftentimes will behave better at school than at home because think of the structure they have to put in place at school, right? Like if the teacher allocates a little cup of goldfish for each kid, they can't like have a meltdown and get M&Ms. There's no M&Ms available. They understand that the snack is what the snack is and it is what it is. But at home, you know, I will speak for myself. You have those moments where you're like, okay, fine. You can have a banana, like just stop. I'm trying to get this thing done with your sister, right? Like we've all been there. So the more black and white you can make it, the better. At the same time, of course, your kids are going to give you a hard time from time to time, especially if you're kind of implementing something like this, you know, for the first time. And in the past, they've been able to negotiate you staying in the room longer or getting more out of you. And I think a good way to frame it both for yourself and even to communicate this to your child, depending on how old they are and how much they're going to understand, is like you have set aside these 15 minutes to be with them and you want it to be something nice and pleasant. Like your goal, my goal as a mom is... I want bedtime routine to be, you silly goose, why are you sticking your leg in there? I'm trying to, that's your armhole, I'm trying to put that on your leg, whatever. That was a weird analogy. With their jammies, you know, you want to sit and read them the books and have them ask questions about where the moon is, is that the sun, whatever. But if they're going to use that time to try to run out of the room, to go wake up their sibling, to refuse to brush their teeth, I think that's how they're using their time. And guess what? Then there isn't going to be time to read the books right? So when your kids are giving you a hard time, instead of letting this extend the process, you are telling them, listen, this is mommy or daddy or whoever's grandma's special time with you. And if you're going to use your time to run out of the room, if you're going to use your time to kick me, then we're not going to have time to read books. We're not. This is giving them the autonomy that they need. Part of becoming a bigger kid and a toddler and starting to have a little bit of more control over your life is having those natural consequences and understanding how the world works, right? Um, and that's just a part of life. So you want to spend this special time with them, but if they're going to use it to wreak havoc, then there won't be time to read books. And of course, you have to stay firm then, right? Trust me, they'll be annoyed that first time, but they will pick up on that so quickly. Like They will start to understand, I now have a choice. My choice is to do the things that I like, which is reading with mom, which is getting to pick my jammies, which is getting to sing my song, ask mommy two questions, say a prayer, whatever your routine is. And realizing that if I use this time to throw a tantrum and lay on the floor and refuse to put on my pajamas and demand water, even though I've already had my water and there isn't any more going to be given to me, then there isn't going to be time to read books. And that sucks. 
but that's a natural consequence, right? It's the same as anything else. If I have time tonight that I could spend watching a movie with my husband, but instead I pick a fight with him about something and we're arguing and then it's our bedtime because I'm exhausted. Well, now I didn't get to watch the movie because I decided to use my time picking a fight or I was scrolling on Instagram instead of getting the work done that I needed to do. And now I'm not going to be able to play tennis tomorrow because I'm going to have to do that work that I should have done last night when I was scrolling on Instagram, right? Like these are life lessons. This is like how we grow. Guys, I'm, I'm just rambling at this point. I have so many thoughts in my head. Um, I'm obsessed with talking about sleep. I'm used to talking to a person who's giving me feedback and asking questions. And they're like, okay, but what if Jenna jumps on the bed? Then what do I do? Like, I'm not good at just word vomiting into a podcast, into this microphone. Um, but again, we're only three episodes in. The first one was a, not an, a real episode. Last week's was super short. This is the first one I'm really trying to give you something topical to digest and take forward with you. So I hope it's been helpful. Um, I would love your feedback. Um, please DM me. Let me know what you think. And... I love you guys. Next week's episode will be even better. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you review and like. LOL. Love you like a sister. I told you guys I need help with the sign off. So if you think of anything good, let me know. Until next week, sweet dreams. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.